With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. We are back on Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. I'm Russ Goldman. Along with me is Steve Balistrieri and Derek Havens. This episode, we'll be looking back at the Patriots' loss to the Jaguars. On top of that, we have a trade to talk about. Something tells me we will be debating this move very strongly, and that's actually where we're going to start. So, Derek, I'm going to go to you. News broke yesterday that the Patriots made a trade for wide receiver Josh Gordon from the Cleveland Browns. I want your thoughts on this, and also the way I want you to look at this. I want you to make the argument, if you believe it, for the move. I'm against it. I'm completely against the move, and I'll explain why. I want you to show me why this is a good move for the Patriots. Well, I'd like you to show me how it's a bad move. I mean, you're essentially giving up a fifth-round draft pick to roll the dice on a player who uh, is extremely talented but has had a lot of issues with, you know, drugs, alcohol, and depression, you know, and meant, you know, anxiety. And, I mean, there's no doubt that – there's no doubt that Gordon has a talent. He's, you know, 6'3", and around 220. Uh, he's extremely fast. He's 27 years old. It's actually hard to believe he's only 27 years old because right. he's, only he's, played four, he's only played 11 games in the last four seasons, uh, which... You're it, making it, my point, Derek. Where has no, the production I mean, been? Well, yeah, of course the production... I mean, we all know the production hasn't been there. I mean, the last time he was productive, he led the NFL in receiving. <laughs> I mean, he he lit the world on fire, uh, you know, with, you know, 1,600 yards in a season. And you you bring in a you bring in a player like this, you know he has to be active for ten games, uh, you know down the stretch here for the Patriots the next ten out of the next fourteen games he has to be active for ten, uh, and if and if not then the the Browns are going to send a later round draft pick that's more compensation so you have a little bit of a safety if you will on the draft pick compensation you're sending there really there's no real risk uh, he, he's going to be making. His base salary for the year is under eight hundred thousand dollars, and he's already two games in, so it's really under seven hundred thousand. There's real no money risk there. Uh, if he, if for some reason you feel like he's not catching on, well, you can just you can cut bait with him, and and uh, you know really no harm, no foul. But I do think it's worth rolling the dice for the talent because if he is back on the straight and narrow path, which he's been committed to, you know, so far. I think it's just one of those things where, look, you're in the position where you need to add a receiver. You need to add a, a player to help you right now because it, it, they, they are lacking some kind of element on the outside, uh, partly of things we've discussed in the past, which I'll elaborate on shortly. Sure. But you have no – there's really no downside to the move. I mean, it's not like you're, you didn't give up a lot of draft capital. You're not paying him a lot of money. 
I don't by all accounts he hasn't been a quote unquote toxic guy in the locker room only to himself, you know, and I, I just don't really see how you could be so negative on on this kind of move. Okay, well I'll share my thoughts on that, but I want to go to Steve and get his <laughs> thoughts on it. And you said that there's no downside to this and the, Steve, I want your thoughts because you talked to me about this off air and you brought up something that was very interesting when uh, you mentioned to me, and I'm sure you'll mention this, the word time, because to get this player up to speed, you are investing time. So I think that's a major factor here. There is a risk because you are going to be putting a lot of time into a player that, again, we don't know he's going to work out. So I want your thoughts on the move and then I'll share mine. But I find it interesting that you mentioned this to me, so I want to give you credit. There is a risk to it because you you have to invest time. Well, you there you just made <laughs> you made my argument for me. However, yeah, it, this is different. I mean, granted, they're not giving up a, a conditional fifth rounder. That's not the issue. The what I told you offline was to me the issue is time. If yep. you do this in March. Then you already know by the time the season starts, one, if he can put his issues behind him and having a, some strong veteran presence around him, guys like Matthew Slater, you know, Hightower, guys like that, if they're going to be able to help him get through the rough spots, because this guy's life has been nothing but one big rough spot since his big season in 2013. So, that's number one. The other thing is you're, then you're going to have time for him to learn the offense because you have five months between if you do this in March and, be, you know, by the time training camp breaks in August, you have five months. Is he going to be able to assimilate himself into the offense? Is he going to learn the route tree? Is he going to be dependable? And is he going to fit with what you want to do offensively? Now they don't have any of those. Now you're you're in midseason, and now you have to dedicate time to try to get this guy up to speed. And basically, you're going to babysit this guy because he hasn't really played in the NFL for five years. And, you know, Bill Belichick always says when he's looking at players, we want guys that football is important to. And I, that's the biggest question I have. Is football important to this guy? And I have to say it's a far second because this guy has so many issues. He's had multiple drug issues. He's had, you know, and he has mental health issues. And those are nothing to sneeze at. You just don't, you just don't walk in a building and there's, you know, unicorns and show ponies and they all go away because you're in a New England locker room. Those things don't go away. And as we've seen in the past, guys bring their baggage with them some things are much more difficult to get rid of. And I think this guy has had serious issues. I mean, when he applied for reinstatement in 2016, after being out of the NFL for almost a year and a half, he failed his drug test for his reinstatement. Right. I mean, this is, I think this is a colossal waste of their time. And the biggest thing to me is the one word that I thought I would never use with Belichick in this organization this screams of desperation to me that's the word i've been using and i don't like that a bit i think this is going to blow up in their face just like it's blown up the patriots aren't the home for wayward boys okay everyone's thinking he's going to walk in the door he's going to be you know randy i've heard randy moss's name mentioned a hundred times let me tell you there's a huge difference between josh gordon 
and Randy Moss. And five years is a very, very long time since the last time he was relevant. And everyone thinking he's going to walk in the door and go for 150 yards every week, you're sadly mistaken. I think this is going to blow up in their face. Okay. Derek, before I go back to you and get your thoughts on what Steve shared, I want to share mine and then you can comment on both of ours. Steve, again, want to give him full credit. He, he actually brought up the time situation, which I wasn't thinking about. That's a great point by him. I want to give him credit for that. The one thing I was thinking that I agree with Steve, it's is football really important to Josh Gordon? And he does have issues. But if I'm talking about schematically, what concerns me is bringing in a player right now to learn the Patriots offense and to fit in the Patriots offense goes back to Steve's argument about time because it, it does take time. Will he pick it up? Hopefully he will. Hopefully he will be productive. But I don't want to see the Patriots offense changing. I think that there are people that are hoping that they see another Randy Moss. And honestly, I don't want that. I totally do not want that. I want the Patriots offense to be what it was. And actually, someone actually messaged on my uh, Facebook account because I put the article up there, Seth Winkleman. I want to give Seth credit on this because he said we have a bunch of possession receivers. Derek, that's the Patriots offense that I love, the possession game. If this guy could fit into that, that's one thing. But I, I'm afraid that this is going to change what they're doing because he is a me player. They need a team player. That's my problem with this, and I do agree with Steve's point. So feel free to comment on why we don't like it. Well, I don't really think you have to worry about the offense changing that much. And for what it's worth, for what it's worth, I don't think it's a waste of time at all. <laughs> I mean, you've already you've been dragging guys like Corey Coleman off the street, and you've been bringing in receivers left and right. And if you want to blame anybody for if you for being desperate, I think you need to be looking at how they misevaluated the position. I I told I told people on Twitter and I told people on this show back months before the draft talking about talking about how receiver was going to be a need how I didn't believe in Chris Hogan and how Edelman was coming off the injury and how I wasn't sure. That's why I was so freaking in on DJ Moore out of Maryland because I, I was like, okay, they should be taking a receiver high in this draft because they're limited. And that's what you get when you're limited. I don't think it's a desperation move necessarily, but I think it does lack to their, does look to their lack of options. They looked at, they've been looking at their roster and they said, we need another guy. And they looked at Gordon and clearly they think enough of him where they would rather sign him and pay a fifth-round draft pick compensation with all his baggage than sign a guy like Des Bryant and all his baggage, or they thought enough of, uh, you know, they thought enough of Gordon that they would all they would take him over two guys they've already had in the building, like Jordan Matthews, who I'm not sure is healthy yet, but there were reports over the weekend before this movie even happened that he could be coming back. There was a report that Kenny Britt was working out for the team on Monday and that he right. could come back before this move happened. So. They felt so good about this guy that they would go over guy that, they, that they've already had contact with. I mean, I, I don't really see how you could have a quote-unquote downside to this trade. If you cut him, you cut him. I mean, if you cut him, there's no – I don't really see the, the harm in this at all. I think on Sunday night, you could see him play, and you'll see him with some go routes. You could see him with some drags across uh, the middle of the field, maybe like a post or something. I think it'll be very limited. But we'll see if he can be effective, and he has to learn more and more. I mean, you're going to have – they should have invested in this position a long time before because, look, I think we've seen two weeks in, I'm almost ready to wipe my hands with uh, Corderell Patterson 
as a receiver. I think he's just the gadget player that we talked about. And uh, okay. Hope, to me, has still not done anything that really makes me feel all that great. And I don't think Dorsett's better than a number three receiver. So <laughs> you looked at an offense this last week in Jacksonville where they, they took Gronkowski out of the game and you pretty much had nowhere to go with the ball. So if you bring a guy like Gordon and he hits, I'm not saying he hits like Randy Moss 2007 because that, that whole comparison has gone right up my mail chute the last, you know, 12 hours or so. Well, it's ridiculous um, because I've heard it time and time again. It's, it's ridiculous. Let's say Gordon hits and he's able to stretch the field. Well, even if he's able to get vertical, it opens up the offense and creates more space for guys underneath to make plays. That's important. Spacing is important in, in almost all offenses, but especially an offense like Josh McDaniels. He predicates on that, spacing and how he spreads guys out, how he stretches and tests defenses in certain areas. I think that I, – I just don't – I mean, you cannot like the player, and I'm not saying that it's going to work, but I just don't really see that there's an overly big downside. I just want to agree with that. Okay. Well, my point in all this, and uh, very good points by both of you, and I think the Patriots agree with you, Derek, so I want to give you credit because they made the move for this guy. So your point going way back when – that they needed to address this. Maybe they thought that the guys they were bringing in, like Kenny Britt, and then, of course, Jordan Matthews, were going to be the answer. And that's where I think their heads were at. But for me, if they really thought this was a pressing need, they should have made this move back in March. Or not trade Brandon Cooks. And I understand the ramifications on on the salary cap with Brandon Cooks down the road. I, I get that. But if you are so worried about this, if this is such a concern of yours, you never should have traded Brandon Cooks because he can do what they're missing right now. And that, to me, is, I think, the bonehead move. Why did you trade this guy? You still had him under control for one year. Fine. Who cares? You know, if you're all in about this season, which many people are telling me that, that the Patriots are desperate to get that sixth Lombardi trophy, then why trade Brandon Cooks? Why do that? Well, I mean, so, it's not like it's just as simple as hold on to him. And, I mean, you had to pay him a lot of money. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, they, they would have been handicapped in other areas. Or they would have had to just play with the salary cap and manipulate it around. But That's, it, that's my point. My point on Cooks is that, current, you know, my point, you know, my point, you know, again, they were never going to re-sign him, but let him play out the last year, Derek. Well, I mean, yeah, they could have done that too. I mean, I, that's my point. You know, if they were so worried about not having that guy, then just hold on to him and just live with the downside of, of him just going for nothing because they were not going to pay him. That's my only point in all of this. And, you know, that's what frustrates me. Now they're desperate. This, to me, reeks of desperation. And that's what bothers me because they shouldn't feel desperate. They have Edelman coming back in a few games. Yes. Could they use someone that could stretch the field, as everyone likes to say? My friend, Mr. Balistrieri, said, you know what? Chris Hogan can do that, and he can't do that, Derek. I've seen him go fly patterns. He can do I that. Don't think, I don't think defenses respect him enough at all anymore. I just don't. I don't think, I think they, And it all stems from the fact that they're shorthanded. Exactly. Not they enough. don't have Edelman, we, we and all I think know that's this. a big factor we, in all we this. All, we, we all know that Chris Hogan isn't a number one. He's a complimentary guy. And for him to be effective, he needs to have other complimentary guys on the field. That being Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski. And when those guys are on the field, 
Hogan can do those kind of things. Exactly. Because this he, is a, go ahead, Steve. Well, just, you know, I mean, we, we, we can, honestly, we can, we can discuss this all day long. I know. Uh, the the bottom line is they made the deal. I would love to be proven wrong. I think it's going to end really, really badly, really, really quickly. So I just think it was a colossal waste of their time and effort. Okay. Real, so real we'll quick. See. Real quick. Yep. I think they looked at the team and said, to you, what you guys have just said, I think they looked at it and said, it's not like they don't know that Edelman's coming back. Of course they know he's coming back. So I think they looked at it and said, we need more. And so I'm not sure if that should concern you or not, but they look, I think they looked at the team and said, we need more than just Edelman coming back because they know what they have in him. So I, and Derek, also, Derek, it's a valid point, but I go back to this. If they felt that way, why didn't they do something more significant in March? I don't know. I've been saying that since March. Yeah, this is how you're <laughs> right. And, I, and it drives me crazy that I'm giving you praise. I'm just kidding. I, I, I also want to say, say one thing. I, I do agree with one thing, though. You guys said, you guys both said you think it's going to end quickly. I think it's only going to end two ways. Uh, I think it's either going to be one of those things where he comes in, you know, he spends a week or two here, and then it just doesn't work out. They have some statement, you know, Belichick comes up, you know, it, you know, Josh gave his best effort, just it just didn't work out for him, whatever. Okay, or he's going to have a very productive season. I don't think he's just going to be – middling around the roster. I think if he stays here, he'll be making plays and he'll be contributing. It's not going to be a whole lot of in-between. It's either going to be he hits and you guys will be totally wrong or I think he'll be out of here quickly, which I'm not excusing either. I think, I think go, I, if I had to pick one or the other, I think it's probably the closer to him being here for two weeks. But I don't, I'm okay with them rolling the dice on it because I think, that, I think that you do still have some upside even though there comes with some risk with the player itself. Okay, very good. Steve, I'll give you the final word, then we're going to move on to talk about the Patriots' loss against the Jaguars. Well, I mean, like, I think we've beat this horse to death. I mean, we'll have to see how it plays out. I was totally against bringing in a guy like him or Des Bryant because I just don't think they fit with the culture that they have here. And to, to me, I mean, hey, I would love to be proven wrong, okay? And I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. And so will I, Derek. If he lights it up like some think, I'll come on this show and say I was wrong. I'm happy to do that. But I'm not going to back off to my point on this that I, I hate the trade. And I've tweeted that out, and so many Patriots fans have been tweeting surprised, that I, surprised that I hate the trade. And this goes back to this stupid thing that people think that I'm a homer, that I agree with every move they make. I don't. I don't. I don't like this trade, Derek. I just want to be there with, when they signed Des Bryant so I can watch you both. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff there. Good stuff. All right. As Steve said, we have beaten this to death. So let's move on and let's talk about something more depressing. We have to talk about the loss to the Jaguars. And, Steve, I'll, I'll give you the honors of uh, giving your just opening thoughts on that. And then what we're going to do is we are going to go through the five things we learned from the game from Ian Logue from PatsFans.com, his article, and we're going to talk about his thoughts. He was at the game, so that's how we're going to be doing our post-game part of the show. But we have to go to opening thoughts. First to you. Yeah, uh, well, I think <laughs> the biggest thing we've learned is Florida is kryptonite to the Patriots. So, uh, Especially in September. Know, that time and again, but 
they 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 just got their butts handed to them on yep. Sunday. I mean, the final score was nowhere near as one sided as that flattering. game. Let's just say it's flattering. Yeah, because uh, if you just if you looked at the box score, you'd say, ah, well, that was a you know tough game. Uh, no, it was ugly uh, with a capital U G L Y. Um, they were totally manhandled, I thought, on both sides of the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively. You know, when I was watching the Jaguars, especially in that first half, when they were running the ball, they were pushing the Patriots way back yep. at the point of attack, and they, they were dominated up front. And I said, I, I wrote this twice the last week, the Jaguars are going to come out throwing the football. They want to get up early. They want to put pressure on the Patriots. The Patriots went into that game acting like they were going to stuff the run and daring them to throw, and that was the wrong way to uh, yep. uh, to to to, uh, you know, to come into this one. I thought it was it was a bad game plan. It was very poorly executed. Yep. Uh, the secondary was absolutely horrible. Um, they were getting beat consistently in man coverage. Then they went to zone, and we all know what happens when the Patriots go to zone. That was worse, yeah. by the way. Yeah. But there was just wide open space everywhere. Oh, it was terrible. I thought the, the linebackers were had a really poor game. Bentley had a step back last week, I thought, in coverage and as a blitzer. And, the, you know, I, I, I thought it was really kind of curious that Dante Hightower was not on the field in passing downs. I didn't see him much at all in passing downs, which was a little surprising. But, you know, overall, it was very ugly. The offensive line couldn't open holes for the running game. There was a couple of little positives. It was good to see Sony Michelle get on the field. And, you know, what fans need to realize is he's missed a considerable amount of time. He had no preseason games. He sat out the first regular season game. That was just a little glimpse and I thought he flashed a couple of times he was okay and you know it's gonna take a while to get the rust off but I I like that and I thought that the fact that Jacob Hollister made his first appearance and in the first half he made a couple of nice catches and I think you know somebody like him if you get two to four catches a game out of him that's a really nice jump in production for him and I think that will really help this offense down the road and again, he was knocking off some rust. But overall, this was an awful game, awfully coached, awfully prepared, and they just they were terrible. Okay. Guys, if I was going to grade every position in the coaching staff, it's just F overall. But the thing that I want to mention, because I always talk about this with the Patriots, I hate when other fans of that team that they play, the opponent, marginalize the victory. So I'm not going to marginalize this. The Jacksonville Jaguars played extremely well, and they deserved everything that they got from this game. They deserved it because they had a great game plan offensively, just a well-run machine offensively. They knew they could do whatever they wanted offensively. And defensively, they made Tom Brady uncomfortable. And once you do that, that can actually uh, bode well for you. So all the way around, that was a butt weapon, like Steve said. And I think we will do an injustice here if we focus so much on the Patriots and not give the credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They deserve the credit. They were well-prepared, and they executed, and they did everything that they wanted. So credit to them. But obviously, this is a Patriots show. We're going to talk about what they did wrong, which we should be doing. 
But I, I want to make sure before we do go on any further that we give the Jags uh, a lot of credit there because they played a great game. So just say everything that Steve said, I completely agree with. I just think that the game plan was horrific on both sides of the ball. And um, the execution was terrible. And they were just out-muscled on, on both lines. And they basically got it taken to them. So those are my thoughts on it. There are very small positives to take out of it. Obviously, you can take a few. It was good to see Michelle. We're going to be talking about him in just a second. But um, I'm disappointed. But I kind of saw this happening even though I picked the Patriots to win. I did. Because I thought that the Jaguars would treat this like the Super Bowl. And they did. They totally did. They put a lot into it. You could see it. So good for them. We'll see how they do the rest of the season because I've kind of changed my mind a little bit on them. I think they're believing their hype a little bit too much. I think it's going to come back to bite them. So act like you've been there before. If I have any criticism for the Jaguars is uh, how they acted in their way of of beating the Patriots and then afterwards. uh, I think they're believing themselves a little bit too much. I think that they need to be humbled because – that was a, a perfect game for them. It's not going to be like that each and every week. Derek, over to you. Your opening thoughts. Well, I do think that it was an absolute ass-kicking. Uh, I thought that, like we talked about last week, like you mentioned a second ago, Jacksonville was going to treat this game like you know, a Super Bowl, their Super Bowl. And they, a couple of their players talked about how it was one of the biggest games they've ever played in or in franchise right. history. You know, and they treated it like that, like you said. I, they, they did treat it like that. They had a lot of energy. They were aggressive the entire game, Derek. I just want to mention that. I forgot to mention that. Uh, they will. And they, 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 were, they were very aggressive. And I thought that Leonard Fournette, actually, it turned out to be almost more of a positive for that them. That was a plus. Good point. They weren't handcuffed by the running game. They didn't feel like they needed to run the ball. And, I, I you know, I – I said last week that I didn't think Doug Marone was as bad of a coach as some people said that he was, but I will also say that um, I I need to give Blake Bortles credit for how he played in this game because I didn't think that he had the ability to even have that kind of a game where he was able to distribute football. He made some accurate he made some accurate throws. He stood he stood pretty tall in the pocket, which really wasn't that hard because the Patriots defense could barely get a finger on him the entire afternoon. But he he made some really nice plays, and and you should give them, they should have, uh, they should be kind of feeling themselves right now, and and they yep. deserve to celebrate the way that they did because they out they just the Patriots were just outplayed and outcoached in almost yeah. every single area of the game. I mean, totally small agree. small details, you know, like Brandon King not putting his hands on the guy that jumped the neutral zone, you know, which 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 we would be praising them for. You know, which you almost yep. never see a guy jump free like that because everyone knows you need to engage the player in order to get the penalty. Just small little things like that. I mean, I just think Brady looks Brady didn't look very sharp all day, and that was partly because the offensive line was getting killed, and he had guys flying all around him, and they were taking Gronkowski away, and no one else could get any separation. Um, I do think that the game plan by Josh McDaniels was horrific. Uh, I thought that some of the play calling was idiotic. They ran; they were running slow-developing run plays to the middle. There was a draw on third and five that was right up the middle that I almost reached through my TV to choke Josh McDaniels at one point because I'm like, "What are wow. you doing?" I, and uh, I, I just thought, I just thought the, I just thought the coaching just looked 
I thought the Patriots looked lost. I thought the Jaguars looked like the more athletic and the more talented team. They looked like the more physical team. Uh, it just looked like the Patriots were totally, um, you know, overmatched. And I think you have to come away from this game if you're a Patriots fan and say, okay, we've seen early season defeats before, and we know that things are, we know that things will get better. And it was a bad day, but I do think that you have several concerns that, you know, you should be worried about. You should still be worried about the same game plan that beat you in the Super Bowl was very similar to this one here. And they were aggressive, and they had a ton of drag routes that, ex- that exposed your linebackers. Because back-to-back weeks now, we've seen Dante Hightower. You know, Steven, you mentioned it already. Not really, He wasn't really a part of passing down, but that's because he looks horrible. He looks slow. He looks like he's aged five years. He had a torn pec last year, and it looks like he has all of a sudden someone swatched his legs out for Brandon Spikes. It looks like he has two cement blocks on his feet. He can't move around anymore. And if you, if you, we all thought Dante Hightower was going to come back and be an impact player for the defense, if, if he's going to move around like this the whole season, you're in trouble. Uh, you know, because you, Bentley is going to have weeks like he had in week one, and he'll have weeks like he had this week, yeah. which was a, a lot of kind of uh, look, looking a little lost and getting juked and turned around. And, I mean, you have not enough speed at linebacker, and they exposed it in this, in this, in this game. You couldn't get a lot of separation, and you couldn't beat man coverage which they exposed in this game on the other side of the ball. So two big deficiencies that they went after, and they went after hard, and that's why you got the beat down like you did. It was 31-20 to 20 in the scorebook. It felt more like 31-3. to 3. Yeah, I totally agree, Derek. I just want to mention one other thing because uh, I'm familiar with Marone. I followed his career, and uh, along with him is Nathaniel Hackett. He did a very good job. I've seen that offense many, many times. It was no surprise to me that – type of uh, passing game and uh, the Patriots couldn't stop it and they didn't stop in the AFC championship game and this is something that they have to address because I think that they're going to see the Jaguars again and if people think that this is the end of the New England Patriots I've seen this movie way too many times it's not the end it's again we could go to the Kansas City Chiefs the last two times you know in the uh, regular season this is not the end this is the early part of the season but to Derek's point, they need to address what they're doing wrong and fix it. And those crossing routes, those passes, they need to address why they weren't able to cover them because those receivers were wide open. Like Steve said, they were in zone and it was just a joke. It was a joke. He could do whatever he wanted. And part of that is uh, the game plan by Nathaniel Hackett. All right, guys, quickly, we're going to go through Ian Logue's article on patsfans.com. Check it out. It's five things we learned from Sunday's loss in Jacksonville. I'll go back and forth with you guys on the five points. Steve, I'll start with you. His first point, September games in Florida never bode well. And Ian writes about 2014, the opener against Miami. Very good point. It was very hot there, and the Patriots did not play well in that game and lost. So how much of a factor? We're not – saying this is why they lost, because they were outplayed. And I think if the game was at Foxborough, they would have lost this too. But let's talk about the fact that they're playing down in Florida in this hot weather. And it's a trend because they have a hard time going to Florida, especially in September. I think they have a hard time in Florida anytime. I mean, they, <laughs> they, it, it's like um, – I, I don't think it was the heat so much. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the heat – was a factor, but I mean, they, they had, 
training camp this year and some pretty hot human conditions all year. Although the training camp, I thought this year they scaled it back quite a bit. It wasn't as intense as we've seen in other years. I just think it's like one of those weird things. I mean, you look at this team and the two places they generally play their absolute worst football is in the hot in Miami or in Florida because they haven't played great against the Tampa Bay Bucks or yep. in Jacksonville, you know, when they've gone there before. I mean, they've beaten the Jaguars, but they never have their quote unquote A games down there. And I think the other place is Denver, which is like the exact opposite, uh, high up in the mountains. Yeah. It's always tend to be more cooler up there. I, I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. And the Patriots traditionally, as far back as I remember, going back into the 60s. Oh, I remember. They've never played well in Miami. <laughs> it's never. not just under Bill Belichick. No. It's just one of those weird things that they just absolutely suck down there. <laughs> I understand that, Steve. Again, while you're talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about the anomaly was the AFC Championship game that they won in Miami. Before that, they had that long losing streak in Miami. So there's something right. to it. it. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Derek, over to you. Ian's second thing that he learned early in the season is when the Patriots seem to be at their most vulnerable. I think you were touching on this a little bit, obviously talking about ramping up. And these first four games can be tough for the Patriots as they figure out what they have and also figure out what the league has. So what are your thoughts about number two here? Well, they, I think that as far as your defense goes, it gets it starts very vanilla and it gets more and more intricate, I think, as the season progresses. Uh, I think that they don't have as much responsibilities or, and the schemes don't get as complex. Uh, you know, until later in the year. So defensively, you know, they kind of dumb things down and they kind of work guys into it. So it's not too much all at once. Uh, I think offensively, they, they probably do some of, some of the similar things. A lot of it's timing and chemistry. And they've had a lot of guys shuffling in and out. I mean, for this year, you know, now you're bringing in, uh, you know, a, a new receiver. You have Edelman coming in in two weeks. That will throw things off. Sony Michelle. Uh, you know, played 13 snaps. I think Steve mentioned this already. I was impressed with what I saw out of the 13 snaps yep. that he had. In fact, I think that you could be looking at him as the guy who's going to get the lion's share of the carries in the next Oh, I agree. Three. Uh, I, I, I think he looks like the strongest runner that they have, and he's going to be dynamic when he has the ball in his hand. So I think you have some optimism from what you saw from him at least. Uh, so I think as those offensive parts kind of come into the mix, I think you will see – um, you know, the offense changed a little bit, um, but I'm sure the principles and concepts will overall be the same. But I do think that there is – it's interesting, though, if you look back and see some of their biggest stumbles have been within the first four weeks of the season. And the record in September is nowhere near how oppressive as it is in November. So yep. it's one of those things that we've seen year in and year out. They have a clunker. And I, I do think it's a little annoying where I've heard a lot of people say, well, they have one of these every year. Well, I just think that justifies it too much. I just think, you know, know, it's not like they just – it's not like they were playing, you know, a division rival and it was like a 20-13 to game. I mean, you got your butt kicked against someone who you saw in the AFC Championship game last year, and based on how the rest of the AFC looks right now, there's a good chance you'll see them again this year. So this is – you know, this is a little bit more than that, and uh, that kind of lets the Patriots off the hook a little too much, and it it takes away credit for – 
uh, the Jaguars as well. So uh, I, 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 that, that's something that I've kind of getting annoyed of already too. Okay. Steve, back over to you. Number three from Ian Logue. Losing two key players on defense and seeing another get hurt didn't help. I agree with Ian's assessment of that. I, I But you and I talked, and you've already told me this, and you'll, you'll probably mention this as well. It didn't matter because they weren't able to do anything against that offense. Uh, even if Trey Flowers and, and Patrick Chung were healthy, I, I think we still see what happened. And losing Dietrich Wise obviously doesn't help either. Your thoughts on uh, what Ian wrote here? Yeah, I, um, absolutely. And it just goes to the point Derek just made. I mean, when you say that, you're kind of taken away from the way Jacksonville played. Right. Because, um, you know, it, did it hurt them? Of course it did. Because I think Trey Flowers is their best defensive lineman. And, you know, Chung has been so good with the Patriots since he's came back. So, if, yeah, of course it hurt them. But, yeah, I, I don't think it had zero to do with the way that game played out. because. You know, they weren't getting any pressure from anyone else either on the right. defensive line. And, okay. you know, guys were wide open on the, the cornerbacks as well as the safety. So you can't say Chung's going to take away all those problems. No. Um, you know, did it hurt them? Of course it did. But it, the the outcome of the game would have been no different had they had played. And then the sad part about it was actually Flowers uh, was pretty off to a pretty good start in that game. He, he had a pressure. Early, he made a you know a, a couple of plays. And it looked like I would as I was watching the game that he was you know he was amped up for this one, and he was going to have a really nice game. And then he got kicked in the head by his own yeah. teammate, which happens. And uh, you know, hopefully those guys will be back sooner rather than later. Dietrich Wise, I saw that you know he has uh, it was it wasn't a wrist which I was worried about. It was a finger, and he has his finger in a splint. So that that's something he can, you know, probably bandage up and play through. Yeah. I was okay. worried that he broke his wrist and that would have been, you know, more of a serious thing. Oh, good point. Derek, over to you. It's funny. We already kind of talked about this. Ian's fourth point. Patterson's still not clicking with Brady. This is an issue. And he had a wonderful opportunity to get a first down. This frustrated the hell out of me. He falls down. You can't fall down there. Thoughts on Ian's fourth point about Patterson. Well, you know, we were all hoping that Patterson would be able to be a little bit more of a receiver than just gadget player, but, you know, he hasn't really shown that. And, and so far, he hasn't even been able to do anything on returns either. He had a return in this game, and he shouldn't have even taken the ball out. You know, they, he lost – I think he landed on the 19. Yeah. Uh, he lost field position there. You know, I they're paying him three and a quarter million dollars uh, to, to be able to be like this dynamic playmaker. And – uh, I, we haven't really seen it yet. We're, we know we're going to see um, him get the ball in his hands, and and I know he's a he's a terrific athlete. So yeah, he tripped over his feet in this game, and and that was ugly. That play call, that's one of those things. And if it works out like that, I'll, you know, I could, it's hard not to blame Josh, especially considering how the rest of the game plan went. But that's just one of those things, and it was just a mistake. I'm not going to totally kill him for that. I, I will say that. Um, for uh, for Patterson, though, uh, you know Brady has not really clicked with him. The offense hasn't really clicked with him yet. I think that's a little more, uh, you know, I think that's partly because they might have too much on his plate right now. I, I mean, they just don't have enough quality receivers. You know, 
I, it, to, your, to our point earlier, if Gordon can hit and just be a solid option, and he can and he can kind of start wrecking what he had before, and that's a big if. Right. It, it, I think it will significantly help guys like Dorsett and Hogan and Patterson because even though Edelman, I'm concerned about where he is physically. I know he'll be in good shape, but like coming off the ACL, you just never really know. Uh, you know, I think he'll be. I think Edelman will, will kind of know what we what we'll get for him. So if Gordon can be a solid option too, I think you will see that trickle down domino effect. And if not, it just you just might have guys just kind of over their heads in terms of what their actual ability and skill set is versus what you need out of productivity. And I'm just not sure if they have those guys on the roster right now. Okay. And another point to Patterson is yep. uh, on the very first series, Tom Brady was kicking himself coming off the field because they they cleared out the middle and Patterson was wide open across the middle. And that was the third down play that uh, – the Jaguars brought the pressure and Brady threw it away off the uh, sideline. And as soon as he threw it away, Patterson was wide open across the middle and he had nothing but green in front of him. There's, there's a good chance he might've even scored on that play. And Brady was kicking himself going off the field. Yeah, and I, I was really surprised that McDaniels never went back to that Yeah, because they, they cleared out that space for him. And I thought, well, you know, they'll, they'll go the back chance. to that and they'll revisit that. They yeah. never did. Yeah. So, okay. Whatever. Quickly, let's and and we already talked about this. This is the fifth point from uh, Ian. Steve, to you, not a bad start for Michelle. I agree with that, and I agree with Derek's assessment that he looked good. I don't know if he becomes a feature back because I don't think that's what the Patriots ultimately want. But I could see him playing a great deal because he showed me something, and it's only going to get better from him. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know. Uh... You know, he's, I mean, he basically hasn't been on the field since August 1st. So, you know, he's just come back recently and he's he's been limited in practice. But, you know, since that, I mean, that's a pretty long time to be out. There's that rust factor. But, I, you know, I, what I thought, and again, it's very small, you know, sample size, but it, it's very encouraging. I think he's going to be a much bigger part of the offense as he gets more comfortable and gets his feet under him. Uh, I think, you know, as long as this kid can stay healthy, he's going to be a dynamic playmaker. Okay, excellent. Derek, you have anything else quickly that you want to add? Well, in terms of Michelle or in terms yeah. of? In regards to Sony Michelle. I'm just excited to see what he can bring. You know, he just touched on it. It's not easy for a guy to miss so much of his rookie, uh, you know, preseason in camp and then just jump right in. And from the very limited that we saw, I think you saw some encouraging signs. And I do think that it will get better. Uh, you know, you have Rex Burkhead, but I don't think he's been overly impressive. He's had some good plays, but I think Burkhead will be nice in a, in a limited role. And you'll have James White in the role that he flourishes in because he's so solid and consistent. He was one of the few players that was actually even good in this game on Sunday. And, and then I think, uh, you know, you'll see Michelle really take over, I think, towards, uh, you know, the yep. next two, three, four weeks, and that'll be a good thing because I think he's the kind of chess piece uh, in McDaniels' offense that could be really fun to watch. Okay, excellent. Great stuff, guys. Really enjoyed doing the show with you. Just to let everyone know, we will be doing a preview show later on in the week. This is the post-game show, and obviously we had some talk about Josh Gordon, a nice little debate.
in the beginning well, we had a nice little talk Russ, about that. Before yes. we end, before we end the show, I want to ask you guys one question. We don't have to elaborate on it very long. Okay. One question. Go ahead. On a Derek. scale from a scale from one to ten, ten being panic, total panic mode. One being you're still calm and cool, collected. Where yep. are you after this loss in terms of how concerned you are with the team? Okay. Steve, I'll go to you first because I have a thought about that. So you go first. What's two. your concern level? <laughs> Steve goes with a two. Derek, you're going to like mine. One. <laughs> uh, so you, you – Russ, I think, I think you automatically have to start at a two because I'm not sure you're ever calm, cool, and collected. But <laughs> that's, I was about, uh, that's why I was laughing. Well, that's I was true. Like, what that's is true. Russ ever calm? That's actually true. That's a good point by both of you because I am the farthest from calm. That's actually a good way to put it. I didn't even think yeah, of it that I, way. I, I would have had a caveat there, Russ. I would say, well, I'm never calm, so that's a 10, but I'm confident they'll, they'll get it. It's a 1. Okay. That's well, actually a good way I, to do it because I will on a scale of calmness from 1 to 10, I'm at 100. <laughs> that's a good point. Okay. I will, Great show, I will guys. Thank Derek, thank you so I'm, much for, I'm, I'm for ending it that way. I, I like that. Get Derek's, uh, you know, level. <laughs> well, I, I will just say I'm more concerned. I'm like I'm I'm I'm, I'm more in like the five area. And okay. Him, and it's higher than I would be in most years. But the one thing that is concerning me is that I'm scared they have the two two of the bigger kind of uh, you know problems that they had last year. I'm worried that are carrying over this year, and we kind of saw. I, I think it's. Guys that kind of lack the ability to separate on offense, but I think more importantly, I think that speed issue is concerning. And you saw how many times the guys drag across the middle of the field in this game, totally uncovered. It's because they just there's just too many mismatches. They're just not fast enough. And I'm just not sure that you can get better at that. And I'm not sure if you can scheme around that. I, th- those are my two concerns, and that's why I'm not just totally blowing this game off. I, I, I am a little bit worried about that. Well, we'll see how I, th- I still think they'll have a good year. Yep. I still think it'll be a good season, but I'm worried if that's going to come back to bite them in the end, like it did last year. My only point on that, Derek, I understand why you're going there on those crossing routes. I think the Patriots played into their hands when they went zone. Well, and again, uh, watching the tape again yesterday, and it was still ugly. They yep. made a lot of mistakes where they were just, you know, those drag routes where they were going across them, there was too many guys that were going with the flow and not staying where they weren't staying home where they were supposed to. And so again, I think a lot defense. of the, those mistakes are correctable. Okay. And and that's why I'm not as concerned as you are, Derek, because I think part of it is, is scheme related. But we shall see. Are they correctable mistakes? I hope they are. And I hope they're not, like you said, too slow. I, I, I Again, I watched them play the Texans and the speed was there. So that's why I'm hoping that this was more of a breakdown situation. We'll see. We'll see. All yeah, right. I hope so. Cause you can fix scheme. You can't fix, you know, athleticism. So of course, of course, correct. but I saw, but I saw the athleticism that you are talking about in the Texans game for myself. I, I saw it. So, and there were these other situations like that and they were, all these receivers were covered. So, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a speed thing. I think it's a scheme thing. I don't think that they were doing their job, and that's part of the problem. All right, guys, we got to wrap up this show. I, like I mentioned, we will have a preview show later in the week, but we do need to go. For my co-host Steve Balsheri and Derek Havens, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening, to Patriots Fourth and Two. 
the official podcast of patsfans.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.